ask you a couple of questions before we get started this morning. Well, matter of fact, I guess this part of getting started is asking the questions, but did you come to this morning to hear from the Lord? Second question is, if you did come this morning to hear from the Lord, would you do what he said if he told you to do something? Can you say this morning you want to be like Jesus? Or you just want to know more about Jesus? If you were given the ability today to never lie again, would you sign up for it? I know you're thinking of liar, liar. I don't necessarily get that picture in your mind of the show, the movie. But really, if you could never lie again, because we all know it comes in handy. If you never had the ability or you never desired again to ever gossip again, would you sign up for it? I'm not saying would you sign up that people can't gossip about you. That's not what I ask. My question was would you sign up where you never could gossip? Do you want to be like Jesus? What if you had the ability to pick the speck out of your eye before you picked the speck out of, pointed the speck out of somebody else's eye? What if you had that ability? You want to be like Jesus? What if you, did you come this morning to hear about Jesus? You had come this morning to hear from Jesus. And if you did hear from him, would you do what he said? Because we're going to read some red letters. There are many times I hear people say, well, I never heard from Jesus. I've never heard God speak to me. Well, you're not reading the word. Now, I'm not saying you've ever heard an audible voice. I get that. Many, many people, including myself, have never heard an audible voice. I've heard God's impression on me that was louder than an audible voice. But I've never heard an audible voice necessarily in that sense. But man, have I heard from God. Luke 6.46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom can only be at work where Christ's authority is recognized and obeyed. The kingdom in you or I, the kingdom is closer than you think. The kingdom can only be at work where God's authority is recognized in a person's life and obeyed. And we know that because you will obey it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you disregard 
what I'm telling you. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 6, some red letters today. In Luke chapter 6, you can read the whole, the whole passage of Scripture. talks about the Sabbath and, being, and, and working on the Sabbath. Then he goes in, Jesus goes into his blessings and woes. If you want to read that, that's... Yeah, I, I, the reason I didn't want to do those red letters because I... Yeah. So you can read that on your own. No. I'm not afraid of it, just for the sake of time and what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. Because what it's been stirring me over the last few weeks. Since we've been doing the red letters and I've been reading in Luke a lot more. This passage of scripture, why do you call me Lord, Lord? We talked about last week, <clears throat> one of the best places to start with something is start with Why? Why do you call me Lord? So we're going to read in Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 32 through 36. Excuse me. And it's going to potentially take us down some paths today that I hope hope you understand my heart behind preaching this today. I'm not trying to do a disclaimer because I believe God calls me to to speak the truth as clearly as I can. But I hope you know me well enough. I hope I've been around long enough in many of your lives that you trust why I'm saying what I'm saying and why I'm going to challenge you where I'm going to challenge you. Because the Lord's challenging me in this in a very deep way. And I hope, I hope it helps you this morning. Here we go. Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Now listen to what I'm saying here. Yeah, you can take that and talk about money or some material possession. I I get that. And you can can work all that out. But please listen here. I believe what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a greater truth, which is love. That's his greater truth here. I'm sure you can take it other places and it can apply, and I'm not saying you would miss, be by no means misinterpreting it, but what I want you to miss is, I don't want you to miss is the greater truth. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them Without expecting to get anything back. Love them. Never expecting them in return to love you back. Give grace to them. Never expecting them to ever even appreciate it. I love it, and you can circle this. You get your, uh, your your Bible there, or highlight it, however you do it. The love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then, it's a key word there, isn't it? Then you will, your reward will be great. And any conversation that I'm having about God, at God, and God says to me, "If you do this, your reward will be great." I want to pay attention to that. I'm kind of probably more. I don't know. I like rewards. Okay. I like those. No, but when God's saying that, I really think I need to pay attention. When Jesus is saying this. 
You will be children of the Most High. Because what he's going to, you're going to be a reflection of him. What does he say? Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. I'm going to go on to verses 37, 38. I don't know if I had it in that order, but go on. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You will be poured, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, you will be, it will be measured to you. Yeah. We cannot receive from God what we are not willing to give to others. Can I repeat that again? We cannot receive from God what we are not willing to give to others. We could go home right now. I'm not. You can go ahead. I'm not. What I'm saying to you is this. We use this passage of Scripture, and obviously he's talking about grace and forgiveness. We talked about it during the Blessed Life series, but also about finances. If you, how you measure, we also talked about the parable of the sower. Because Jesus uses the term here, measure. And I used the illustration back then. We measure everything, don't we? Everything we hear, we measure. We size up. We look at. We measure it. If Jesus spoke to you today, what would you do with it? How would you measure it? Because he says a good measure. I hope I do a good measure. I hope I do a true measure. Do you know if your measurements are not the same as the, as the, as the, as the, uh, the tape is, your building is going to be crooked. You need to go with a good measure. You need to go with the correct measure. You need to have the right measure because that's the way you build it where it won't be blown down in the storm. A good measure. He goes on and could be obviously like, in, like you're cooking. A good measure, pressed down. How many of you have ever been to uh, uh, the, the uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. No, the, the, the restaurant. Oh, quit talking. Messing me up. <laughs> quit messing me up. The Mongolian Grill. How many of you ever been to the Mongolian Grill? How many of you ever like, why seas? Yeah. How many of you ever been on top of that thing like you're, you're, ah, ah, you know, you're just going, give me another piece of paper. Let me press another one down. And you're just like, have you ever, how many of you ever been there? Why seas? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, that's what it means to be pressed down as best you can there. You're trying to get as much out of it as you possibly can get. The way you hear it, I'd even say the condition of your heart, the way you hear it, the intention of your heart, the way you hear it, is the way it's going to work out in your life. When I hear the word of God, I determine whether to receive it or not. 
And if I do want to receive it, what level am I willing to receive it to? Be merciful, just as your Father, our Father, is merciful. And mercy is this willingness to extend kindness. It literally means the mercy is willingness to extend kindness to those who are guilty. You understand what I'm saying here? Those who are known to be guilty. In other words, you've got all your facts right. They're guilty. But you're still supposed to extend mercy. We're not willing to extend mercies to people we don't even know whether they're guilty or not. Let alone hearsay or rumors. He's saying, even to those who are flat out guilty, and you've got all your facts right, let alone, let alone you not having context, let alone you not knowing the facts. Sometimes we stand in judgment of things that God's blessing. God ordained it. That does not mean that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to turn our eyes away from sin. It does not mean we're not to have a discerning spirit. It does not mean that we're not to challenge with truth. It doesn't mean that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Mercy never ignores or excuses sin or correctable dysfunction in a person's life. However, it never places itself as judge and jury or condemner. Let me tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. The only way you can get there, you can see that sometimes. Well, you just, you just don't want to deal with that. You're kind of weak in your faith. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. I think it takes an unbelievably mature believer in Christ to be able to live here. It doesn't take a weak faith. It takes a strong follower of Jesus Christ to say consistently, mercy, mercy, mercy. Truth with love, truth with love, discernment, wisdom. Luke 6, 39 through 42, he goes on to say, Jesus does red letters again. He also told this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not be both 
uh, both fall into a pit. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? And this, I love this word, you hypocrite. It's not mine. I didn't put that in there. That's Jesus. You hypocrite. That's what jumped out to me as I reading it for Kurt Gentry. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye. And then, there's that word again. And then, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Because I'll tell you why, and I'm going to share with you in just a minute why I think that's the case. is because when you have removed sin that you know is being brought to you, and you begin to push it away, your heart changes, your attitude changes, you're a different person. And you would never go about it the way you used to. You just wouldn't do it. Because you're different, you're more like Jesus. And what does mercy mean? It's his kindness. In the midst of knowing that a person's guilty, it's his kindness and gentleness to restore. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, spiritually blind people have the tendency to minimize their personal faults and maximize the faults of others. I would much rather compare my best to your worst. By the way, don't watch the news at all because this is. See, if I can focus on your brokenness and your sin and your dysfunction, I don't have to focus on mine. I don't have to look at mine because all I'm looking at is yours. Jesus says in Mark 7, 20 through 23, red letters again, said he went on and said, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Now get this list, and they're all side by side, and they're Jesus' words. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, Lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. I looked at folly. It's a lack of sense. How many of you know, you know people of folly? <laughs> we will not name anybody today. But. I look at that list, and, and, and as Jesus is using these words, I, I look at even like the word theft. Most of us say, no way. I, one of my pet peeves, and I have many, and some of them are not immoral. They're just pet peeves. But then there's some of them. How many of you have ever been, how many have ever gone to Sprouts? Sprouts, been to Sprouts, okay. You know the bins at Sprouts where you can get, you know, all the nuts and all that kind of stuff? You know what, yeah, yeah, how many know what I'm talking about? Just nod if you know what I'm talking about. You, I, you know, one of the pet peeves I have is, is people eating out of the bin. <laughs> or fill their bag up with the nuts or whatever it is and then eat out of the bag before they get to the checkout for its weighed. 
In what world is that not called thievery? What world? What world is that not shoplifting? What world? I have issues too. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying, when I see the word theft, I go, oh, no way. How many of you have ever gotten a water glass at a somewhere and put a drink in it? Oh, yeah, I'm calling you out. You betcha. I just want water. Yeah, that's what I want water. And you start. Or it's all you can drink, but you share it. Two people share the same one. That's not what their intent was, right? Never was their intent. Right? You know that. I know that. Why don't we try to fool ourselves? We know that. It's called theft. If you don't want their rules, then go somewhere else. That's all you got to do. Go somewhere where they say, sure, drink all you want and lie to us. We're all right. There may be a sign they have out front. Lie to us. We're okay. My point is this. We all have them. We have, in Scripture it talks about, it's not just like a speck. It's like a two before in your eye. Before you point out the speck. In the comparison of what Jesus is saying, it is, is a plank in your eye. It's big. You can't miss it if you look for it. Or you'll surround yourself with people who will help you look for it. And you're pointing out the speck. Now, just think about what Jesus is saying. Two before, could be bigger, to speck. Luke 6, 43 through 45, no good tree bears bad fruit. Well, let me say this, let me say this before I leave the other thing, or the sprouts thing. <laughs> One or two things, please, if it's you, repent. And if you're not willing to do this, for God's sake, please don't tell people you go to Renovation Church. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Please don't. Or you're a Christian, but more than that. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. You know what? You just can't on the spur of the moment bring good out of you if you hadn't stored it up. This is, this is work, man. It's effort. You bet it's effort. Grace, being saved is not effort. You can't earn that. But there is effort after you're saved to store up within you the good. Press down. Shaken up. A good man brings good things out of the heart, good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Those are red letters, flashing, neon light, red letters. Jesus mentions, we mentioned a while ago in verse 7, Jesus, because I look at those things that Jesus listed from deceitfulness, something comes out of the mouth. 
slander coming out of the mouth. You know, he, he puts slander right there next to all those. In the world we live in today, think about this. Think about this. Why we have such this darkness over our country. Just think about this. So I looked up slander. Slander has two, the best I can tell, maybe there are more, but two specific definitions from the Greek. One is the Greek word for blasphemia. Now think about this, know where I'm going. Blaspheme. In other words, you're exchanging the truth for a lie, Romans 1.22. If you slander, it's blaspheme not towards that person. I'll get to that in just a minute. Because what's the other word? You may not want to, you go home and look this up. The other Greek word for slander is diabolos. And you go, okay, well, what's that mean? It means the devil. The Greek word for the devil. The accuser. Backbiter. In, the, in Strong's Greek definition here, it means, potentially, it means the purpose of severing relationships. Gossip. It's first cousin to slander. It literally says, and again, you can go look all this up yourself. Don't trust me on this. Gossip, different than actual slander, which is what I just shared with you. Gossip is the whispering slander. Literally is what it means. The word for gossip is whisper. Secret slandering, literally is what the translation is. James 4.11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment of it. Think about what I just said there, folks. Let me break it down for you. If you slander, back to blaspheme, when you slander, you're not judging that person. You're not even judging the law. You're judging the giver of the law. Now let that soak in just a second. When you decide to gossip and slander... Out of what's stored up in your heart. You're not speaking about that person. You're not even speaking about the law who says not to do it. You are in judgment of the one who gave it. For instance, I'm about to get in trouble here. I'm glad Jan's not here today. She's in Texas because she'd be getting nervous right now. Okay. (laughs) Our yellow rope, by the way. Our yellow rope. I said earlier, please listen to me for why I'm about to say this. I'm about to give you an example. That yellow rope that's back there, it gets moved every week. 
When you move that rope for no good reason, you're not doing it. That rope is amoral. But you're moving against the person who put the rope there. And why? You're moving it against the authority of the person who put the rope there. The rope's amoral. The rope can do nothing. And my suggestion, if you want to sit on the back row, get here 10 minutes early. Now, I know I'm making people feel real uncomfortable right now because I'm not, though, because I've prayed about this this morning, and the only reason I'm giving this to you, I don't care about the rope right now. I want you to get the example of why I'm saying it. Do you know why the rope is there? For the most part, you don't. Partly so we can have more community forward for it to feel different in here. It, something about being tighter in here changes the room. It just does. And I can't take out a bunch of seats, or I would. They'd been long gone a long time ago. I'll promise you that. My heart, I believe, and our heart is right behind why the ropes are there. Because we believe community-wise, there's, there's, we have probably about 150, 160 people who sit in here on a Sunday morning. I think there's like 300 inside of those ropes. you got plenty of room. And don't hold me to that number exactly, but I'm in there somewhere. Listen to what I'm saying. Most of you just come in, and I know it's not a big deal, and it's not a sin, and I'm not trying to lie. My point is this. For instance, even my kids. If they rebelled against a rule or something we set, the rule was a, basically amoral. You're rebelling against the authority of the person who put the rule in place. So when you complain about it, it's not against the rule. You're saying, I'm smarter than the person who put it in place. You're saying, I have more authority than the person who put it in place. That's what you're saying. It's called rebellion. The accuser, Diablos, anybody remember the garden? Oh, yeah, I know that's what he said. But you can't trust him. You were born to be God. So when you slander, for instance, when you slander, you are putting yourself not only equal with God, above God in judgment of God. Are we having fun yet? Thank you, Jeff. I'm not trying to make this light, folks. I'm just telling you right now. Gossip and slander. I read this years ago and it stuck with me. It said, gossip defined for me. It's if I speak something about a person or a group, whether it's true or untrue, that is harmful about them to someone who can do nothing about it, that for me is gossip. What if, I, what if we as a church hated gossip as much as God does? What if we just called it sin?
There's a Geico commercial. I wish I could get imprinted in your mind. I'm going to try it right here. Let's go ahead and roll that, and you'll see what I hope comes yeah. out of a little I bit of this. Floor problem. Okay. Not in my house. <laughs> no, no, no. Not today. <laughs> Jimmy, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? Happier than to campaign with Tumbo blocking a shot. <laughs> Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What I wish is when gossip came to you, you go, no, no, no. No, 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 no. No. Block it. Reject it. <laughs> Not today. Not in my house. The process of working through the concept of gossip is one that many of you know that I deal with from con- when I'm getting into a confrontational conversation. I use these three pieces, but I think it works here. One is, if something comes to me or I'm about to share it first, I'm going to ask this question. Am I gracious? Is my heart right? Do we have those slides? Am I gra- How is my heart on this? Why am I even sharing it? Why was I glad to receive it? Did something in me, when I received it, made me happy? Even though it's harmful? Do I get satisfaction in seeing my enemy get hurt? Because I can't read that in Scripture, what we just read today. I mean, we understand when there's ball games and basketball games and Auburn loses the last second and all that kind of stuff. You go, well, I had Virginia in the Final Four, so I'm happy. I don't mean it like that. It's not an enemy like that. that. That's a different thing. Am I happy at my, 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 my opponent's demise? Have I asked wise, grace-filled counsel before I share this? Based on where I am, is there something possibly dysfunctional or sinful in me that's even more than what I'm about to share about someone else? What's my actual reason for sharing this? Is it pride? Is it entitlement? Is, 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 it, is it God led me to do this? But is my heart right? Am I right with God? Do I want to be in control? Do I want to be... I'm just looking for a way to be offended, so now I've chosen this, the spirit of offense. And I hope you didn't do that today when I talked about the yellow rope, because that was not my intent. I get it. I understand why we move it. And I hope we have a reason someday there never is a yellow rope. That's how we can get rid of it. As we load this place up, there's no reason for a yellow rope. Matter of fact, we're going to have to bring chairs out. Is it religious piousness? Which who's Jesus is talking to here? Specifically? They, the, the religious hid behind the law. So they didn't have to deal with their own mess. They understood the law, but they didn't understand the transformative life that the law could bring through the Spirit. I appreciate last week Ron, Ron Riddle in the, in the video that we saw of uh, 
in El Paso, Arkansas, of the Cowboy Church. I love it when somebody came to him and said, Hey, I think that cowboy there brought alcohol in today, or I think he's drunk. I think he has alcohol in his breath, and I love his response. He said, I got a word here. He said, look, if you leave, there are a dozen other churches up and down this road that you can go to and be accepted and be right at home. But if I ask that person to leave, you may, he may, they may never darken the door of a church again and most likely won't. We believe if you share the truth, then sooner or later, God's grace is going to get through. We take people right where they are. God's grace. Second thing is, be factual. If you're going to share something, please be factual. Not hearsay, not exaggeration, not emotional whatever reaction, but be factual. You may not even supposed to even share it then, but at least be factual. The third one is, be bold if you're called to do it. But here's our definition of boldness around here. It's to speak or live the truth for the common good, even at personal risk. Being bold is not cocky or arrogant or angry or frustrated. Being bold is you, God has given you release after you've done those other things, to speak the truth for the common good, even at personal risk, even at your personal reputation, even losing friends, to do the right thing. He goes on to say, verse 47, because he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? And he goes on and says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they are like. They are like a man who building a house who dug down deep. Circle that, folks, who dug down deep, because it literally means they're dug down deep, means not only they dug down deep, they kept digging. Literally is what it means. They never stopped digging. They dug down deep and laid the foundation on on rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck uh, the house because he could could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man or a woman who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the storm came, that house, it collapsed and destruction was complete. And I'll tell you this, many times it's for the whole world to see. I've heard years and years people saying, Pastor, I need to get fed. I'm going to have to go somewhere else. I just want to go deeper. And there are times I think that's true, and I need to listen, and I've heard that, and I think there are certain things to go deeper. But most of the time what people mean is I need more information. I just want to be academically smarter than I used to be. But I'll tell you this right now. You want to go deeper, just apply what you already know. Take what you've heard enough sermons. If you never came back here, and I want you to come back. Unless you still at Sprouts and you don't, you don't have to come. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, 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 my point is this. You've heard enough that if you want to go deep, start applying what you already know. And if you've already done that, then invest in someone else. Go deeper. Go deeper. Dug deep. And literally means to keep digging. There's never a point where you've dug enough. You've already got the foundation. It's set. But to keep digging. I'll ask Josiah and him to come as we close this morning. And I, I just want to say this. I, I know what. I just don't try to just be funny up here. I, 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 sometimes the Lord lays certain things on my heart. 
and, and he's blowing me up in this. We live in a world today where, where just between Twitter and all the other things, we just throw stuff and we just launch stuff. We as believers are not supposed to be a part of that. There's nothing about that we're supposed to be a part of or approving of. But in the same time, don't point out the speck in your brother's eye without dealing with the plank in your own eye. We see enough of that. And for some of you, the word says in Galatians 6 1 says, if a person's caught in sin, to gently restore them. Gently restore means there's something broken, and you're coming along and helping them take the broken thing and fix it back. But I tell you what, when you realize your capacity to be broken, it humbles you to be able to restore gently. You may need to go to some people and say, I'm sorry. I've said things I should have never said to you. I should have never been involved in that conversation. And if someone comes to you and you, I think the finger wag may be a little too much. But I'm trying to make a point this morning. But the word does say if someone comes to you, to gently. You know it's a sin. You hear what they're saying. To gently call it out gently kindness mercy but call it out it is just so much easier to get involved in that than to say no to be bold and say no I'm not participating I'm just not And today's the time for to start there. I heard a saying years ago, it says, when's the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 10 years ago. <laughs> when's the second best time? Today. Today. Would you stand with me? As you, I ask you a question as, as we started this morning. Did you come today to hear from God? And the second question was, if you did hear from him, would you do what he said? We're going to close with an invitation around the altars. Because obviously you can stand where you are, but some of you this morning, as you read that list, and it had nothing to do with theft that I mentioned and kind of made light of, or slander, which was part of it, or folly, you looked at one of those other ones and said, Wow. That's me. And it could be from greed to sexual morality to but boy, the two before my eye, before I point out any speck to anybody else. So sign we're gonna lead us. You come and pray around the altars if you want to. I'll come back and close us in prayer, but let me pray for us right now, Lord, in the name of the, the name that is above all names. Or with the word you tell us the kingdom is closer than you think. Or the kingdom is wherever we go 
and you are recognized as authority. And we know you're recognized as authority because we do the best we can to understand what you said, then apply it and store it up and let you press it down. Let you shake it. How are you going to shake it when the storms come and we know that we're tied to the right things because we've got the right foundation. But help us right now, Lord, if there is something you have shown us today that publicly even, not maybe confess it public to everyone, to become a kneel here at these altars as a first step of today, it starts today. Lord, I pray your blessing over this time. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Your will be done. Amen.